What was the group? I didn't hear you. I don't remember. Oh, okay. One of the, one of the law groups, though, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, welcome to uh, How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer or a Liar. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'll just I'll just mute out and listen in if that's okay. Sure. Well, I'm gonna and uh, well, and uh, this way understand a little bit about my background and, and why I'm doing this. <laughs> uh, but uh, the name of the, the broadcast is How to Win Court Without a Liar. Um, I've been in law for 30 years. Uh, I've got a bachelor's in criminology. years as a private investigator. Uh, I spent the last 15 years as a business. All different types of contracts, law, legal work, consulting as well. Um, but basically, I started the show to help people, you know, like yourself, uh, win in court without having to pay for a lot. This is the Foreign Bar Association. And, uh, you know, it's a shame they, they rip a lot of people off. And, and uh you know, a lot of the times. Uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Hopefully we have a few others that come on tonight. Otherwise, uh, you know, I think we could, uh, it was a common show. We could pick it. Us or I can you know explain anything, any questions that you might have concerning law, and you know, be happy to. Uh, Let me see if we can get anybody else here on the show. Here. This is only this show. Uh, last night's show, we uh, we were talking uh, a bit about uh, uh, guardianship and trusts. And how uh, guardianship has become an industry the, to uh, build uh, the elderly out of their uh, lifetime assets. It was a real interesting topic, and uh, it tied into a couple of the other listeners that uh, were also guardianship has a lot to do with uh, child custody and common law. So went in full circle from from birth to death. Uh, laws affect law affect, laws affect people, uh, and how corruption yeah. of the law really affects people. 
You know, and well, that, uh, you familiar at all? Yeah, it is horrible. Uh, oh yeah, it sure is. Sure is. And uh, shame. The plea. I mean, if you look at a regular court case, any traffic court, you go in, you've got a prosecutor working with the judge or in the same. They get paid by the same. Uh, the, the payroll is the same for the cop, the judge, and, and the prosecutor. So they've all got a uh, financial interest in ruling in their own favor. Um, exactly. You know, if you just most of the time, if you just ask for a jury, yeah, you know, uh, they'll drop that case before the trial. Really? You know, there, there's, there's there's a lot of protocols that they just skip the procedure. You know, they have the mindset of, oh, it's just a ticket, I'll just pay it, I don't have time, you know, deal with this, and uh, they just pay. You know, plead out, it'll hire a lawyer. I had a, uh, a friend from Facebook that uh, just hired a lawyer, it cost him over $3,000. He never even saw the lawyer until five minutes before his. And the uh, guy walked in, shook the judge's hand, and they walked out. It cost them $3, about $3,500 uh, for five minutes of work. And uh, basically, we didn't had the same result, but 500 he had, uh, They had no pretty just to give you a little bit of the backstory. Uh, Three o'clock in the morning, he was sleeping in his car, and uh, he was doing some work on it. There was no floorboard. The way to drive it was like the Flintstones, and uh, he had a computer hooked up to it, and he fell asleep while doing uh, an analysis on the car. That real day, and the cops drove by, and they made up a story. He slumped, you know, slumped over, and it looked like a commercial parking lot, but it was property. Um, over, took him to jail. They, you know, which uh, they had no authority to do because in order to have authority, they had jurisdiction, which is authority. So they don't have that on private property, or cold there. So factored some. <laughs> and if you just, even just most people don't even read the statutes or the law or law 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 requires a, a victim and it if it's a crime it re also requires a criminal intent if you don't have those things there's no probable cause on private property so if you, yeah. you know if they saw something like that you could go on from but uh you know at least in their in their books, but uh, without that, they can't just come onto the property. So they have no jurisdiction. They, the statute itself says driving under the influence, and nobody saw them driving. It was the only question that that asked uh, the cop that showed up for court was, "Did you see him driving?" And cops uh, and basically the judge dismissed. So just knowing a little bit, you know, jurisdiction, a little bit about, uh, you know, how 
how they authority, you know, how police get their authority, uh, prosecutors especially, how they get their authority, because they're a third party. And they're actually the court. It's, they say it's the state. Statutory is basically a, a suggestion or it needs contracts, commercial law. And it needs to have a contract, especially traffic violations, anything that's administrative, which pretty much is everything that you see when you go into a courtroom for the most part, unless there's an actual physical uh, crime that it was committed, robbery, uh, with a victim. But anything without a victim is statutory and uh, requires a contract. A contract the jurisdiction in the matter and the subject matter. So when you go into traffic court with a ticket, that ticket is being handled, the judge is handling that ticket for the Department of Motor Vehicles for that state. So he's at the word administrator for the Department of Motor Vehicles and not acting as a judge. So it's not a judicial... Uh, it's not a judicial venue, it's an administrative venue. Now, the only thing that can be administrative are, are documents. So if I know very little, but I know there's a difference between legal and being lawful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lawful is anything that you want to do that doesn't uh, hurt someone else or their property. That's lawful. Legal the way I look at it is the scribbles of politicians. They change all the time. Laws are like of gravity, you know. It doesn't change. You can manipulate it a little bit, but you're not going to change it, you know. And if it's arbitrary, it's not law. It's statutes, it's acts, it's, you know, it's codes. And uh, they don't pertain. And most folks don't, you know, don't read the contracts or the applications that they're filing. They don't understand legalese, so what they're reading, even if they read it, the English, or what they think is English, is not English. It's legalese or babble. So it's very hard to understand. It's doublespeak. There's meanings that are, you know, not the true meanings of the word. So, you know... Just some certain, you know, just little tips like, you know, asking, you know, the prosecutor to define relationships. Ask the judge to re define the relationship of the parties, in, you know, before the court. And, you know, once they make that claim of who the parties are and, and, and define it, they are actually making a claim and they have to prove the claim in order to get jurisdiction or authority to hear a case to begin with. So just asking little things like that helps a lot, especially in dealing in traffic court or, you know, when you go to court for something that's uh, victimless. So, which is about 95, 96% of the, the cases that go to trial or they go to court to begin with. How can you know, there be a the crime courts. without a victim? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can't. It can't be a crime without a victim. They'll, uh, <laughs> lawyer, uh, prosecutors will tell you, well, the state's the victim. I say, fantastic. Bring Mr. or Mrs. State, the victim, here so that I can see them face-to-face. -face. 
you know. And I'd like to see their contract between you, the prosecutor, and Mr. or Mrs. State, the victim. Because anytime you go to a liar or a lawyer, you're required to file, you know, uh, there's supposed to be a, com- a, a contract that says they're going to do this and this, and you're going to pay them this in, in, in compensation. And that consideration is a contract. But if there's no mutual consideration, there's no contract. And if there's no contract, there's no client, you know, uh, attorney-client. And the prosecutors are not exempt from that. If they bring a claim, they have to bring, you know, the victim. They have to, they're, they're a third party. They're not party themselves. But you'll never see that in a courtroom where you walk in and the prosecutor, I'm here representing the state. Well, who's the state? It has to be defined. And if you ask that simple little question, who is the state, please define it, it kind of ruffles their feathers, but there's really, you know, what can they come back with other than it's a, it's a corporate entity, which is a legal fiction, which may as well be tink, Tinkerbell or, you know, some vapor. It's an right, it's, it's fiction for sure. Yeah, it's a legal fiction. And if you look up even the definition of legal fiction, it's, it, they're used mostly to bypass constitutions and rights. You know, it's a, it's a, it has, there has to be, in any statutory situation, a contract. Like a, if you're going to uh, go to traffic court, they have to have a driver's license, which, you know, is the result of an application, which is a contract between the state and that and the is only and that is only for that is only for commercial use isn't it a driver's license is for commercial use correct uh, individuals do not need a license They're, they have a right to move their property from point a to point b without being uh charged for that absolutely but they don't teach you that in school and you won't learn it unless you actually read the contract when you went to go file for a driver's license. So, you know, and, and most people don't. Most people are, you know, whatever the, the, the state age is, 15, 16 years old, to go get a driver's permit. You've already heard, you know, for the last uh, 10 years in school that, oh, you know, when you turn 15 or 16, you go get your driver's permit so that you can drive a vehicle. And, you, you know, and that's the language. They're using that legal language, vehicle. It's not a vehicle. It's my private conveyance. It's my property is what it is. And if I really own yeah, my property. Vehicle is commercial, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's another commercial term. But that's what they tell you. That's what they teach us all in school, right? If you want to go drive a vehicle, driving is a commercial term. So, you know, again, these are all words that we think we know what they mean, person. It's a person is an entity, is a fiction, you know? And, and we, we hear all these terms and we think that, you know, they relate to us like citizens. Well, you know, in Luria, the, uh, a citizen, uh, I believe it was U.S., uh, Luria v. U.S., a citizen, uh, there's two parts to being a citizen. One, the, the government has to have a, a duty to protect and your rights, and then you have a duty to obey. But without the protection, there is no duty to obey, which means there's no citizen. 
if you know, I mean, they've just they just there are at least three or four cases that I know of that uh, the Supreme Court said that they don't have any uh, responsibility to protect anybody, the police or any other government agent. That voids the citizenship requirements because it's a contract, and that's <laughs> it would be a contract. I would I should say, but. There's a lot of things that would require, uh, you know, to, to have a valid contract. There's a lot of requirements, uh, mutual consideration, full disclosure, uh, no manipulation or duress or, or, you know, force or threats of force. And uh, unfortunately, ridiculous. what's that? I said full disclosure is a farce. Absolutely. It's a total fraud. It's both, and it's you know it's it's manufactured you know what what they want to tell you you know and you but the problem you know they 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 indoctrinate us for you know twelve thirteen years of our lives right out of the gate you know uh, what did you have to do when you turned eighteen what's the one thing they tell you that your whole you know. What was the one thing they used to tell you all the time when you when you turned eighteen that you had to do? Register for the draft. There you go. Sign up for selective service. And it's you know, you didn't even have to think about it very long because it was programmed into us our whole lives. You know why they do that? When when you sign up when you turn the age of eighteen, you become the age, at the age of consent. And they're telling you your whole life ahead of the, before that that you have to fill out this document, which basically says that you're turning over your life to them. You're giving away your consent the day to turn the age of consent, and that's not by accident. So if you actually did fill one out, I hadn't, and I never would have. Uh, I learned very early about the fraud and corruption in the system. I'm, I'm, I'll be 50 this year, and. Uh, I this my whole life. So, not not only that, I wasn't very good at uh, uh, following authority. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if you sign up for the elective service, you are effectively signing away your consent or your right to consent and not consent. The day that you <laughs> return the age that you can actually make that decision, and they program us to you know go and do what they've told us to do our whole lives. You know, so when they bring so in... The what court, if, that's, so what happens if someone does not sign, uh, sign that when they're 18? I'm going to be 50 years old this year. I didn't sign it, and nobody's ever said one word to me. Not one single word, not ever. And I know that, I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the only person that never... never uh, signed up for the selective service. But, uh, you know, it's just so it, what they bring you in to these contracts and you ask them to prove jurisdiction. You walk in and say, you know, I, I'm challenging the jurisdiction of this court. Prove that you have authority over me. And uh, you, you, you hold their feet to that. They have to come up with a web of, uh, of documents Licenses, voter registration, selective service, um, you know, registrations that you 
been with the state marriage license. They look for every piece of, of document that's ever been created under your social security number and your birth certificate. So, you know, uh, to make sure that you're part of the property that they think that they own, that they believe that they own. And it's uh, the fraud is 100% protected by the people in the system, the, the individual actors. So, you know, fraudulent government actors or any government actors for that matter that, that try to uh, impose their, their authority, this authority, this imaginary authority, or to usurp your rights, you have to actually pierce that corporate veil and go after the man or the woman that actually is doing the trespass against you. And, you know, go after them personally, not hiding behind their limited liability corporate veil. So, and, and this happens every single day. People, you know, they go into court, they, they, they know they were railroaded, they know that, the, you know, the judge and the prosecutor and the cops are in a, basically a, a money-making money extortion, you know. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it's a RICO organization, it's hearing. And they know you're getting railroaded. The second you walk in the door, and they don't listen to a word you say, they tell you to be quiet. They tell you, you know, pay at the desk or go to jail. And uh, you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, well, how can you go at everybody? asks, how do you go after uh, you know government agents? I say I don't. They're fiction. It's like trying to chase Peter Pan. <laughs> but I could walk up yeah. and find Bob Smith. You know, I could walk up and find Bob Smith, who's claiming to, you know, who's acting as, you know, officer friendly, uh, which is a, you know, which is a fiction. So you deal in facts, which is the man or the woman, and you say this man assaulted me, uh, battered me, falsely, uh, you know, accused me, and then kidnapped me. You actually don't use their double speak. Otherwise, it would have been well. You know, I had to physically arrest him and detain him, and then you know, I I brought him and arrested him and put him in jail. You assaulted and battered me, you kidnapped me, you uh, falsely accused me, and you put me in a cage. <laughs> and I hadn't harmed anyone. You know, and, and that's changing the depth of the term thing to be more factual than the fiction. You know, and it, and it wasn't uh, officer friendly that did it. It was Bob Smith, that guy right there in the court. I just identified the, the perpetrator. You know, and they have to take notice of that in open court, especially when you go in there and there's, you know, a room full of uh, victims that are waiting for their turn. But they're also witnesses. And the one thing they want to do that has gone on for so long, uh, you know, without people just going, this isn't what we were taught. We were taught, you know, we can get justice, that there's a redress of grievances, that, you know, uh, the way to, you know, the way to fix this is to, you know, go ahead and, and, you know, tell the truth and make your argument and the truth will set you free. But, you know, a lot of times the truth will get you, uh, you know, <laughs> will get you a uh, contempt of court. Yeah, put you in jail. Yep. 
Well, I've had that threat, you know, given to me. I, you know, how is, you know, but then you ask them to define contempt of court. Is asking a question contempt of court? And the way you take authority in the courtroom is you ask the questions. The one asking the questions has the authority. The one answering the questions is the one that, you know, that's, that's in the hot seat. So if they're, te- if they're the ones asking all the questions, you're on the hot seat. You're not defending yourself. You're being attacked. And a lot of times, you know, just going through and, and, and logically using logic, being able to, you know, they'll, they'll turn around and they'll say one thing using their doublespeak, and a little bit of logic opens that up to the truth. And they get caught up in a lie, perjuring themselves in court. And I've, I've seen it happen where, you know, the judge says, how dare you, you know, perjure yourself in court to a cop who was on the stand, uh, threw the case out and, and uh, you know, uh, told the cop, you know, that, that he was in trouble and could be fined and was going to get, uh, you know, held for perjury. Yeah, if you perjured yourself, you'd be in jail, but when the cop perjures himself, nothing happens. Well, that depends. If it's if he if he does it and he gets caught doing it on the stand, they cut they do they lie. They're trained liars. But if you can make them, you know, slip by asking them the right questions, there there's no way out of it. You can, you know they they just pretty much admitted to lying. Well, if they lied, if they, you know, and, and you know they're not exempt from you know from perjury. Especially when they so don't understand. Do I, yeah. So where do I go to find out what questions to ask? Well, and, and every case is different. Um, the, uh, just to give you an example with the DUI case that I was talking about earlier, um, the cop said that he saw uh, somebody slumped over behind the driver's seat. Well, from thirty to fifty yards away. You, you know, with no lights on in the vehicle itself, just, just uh, parking lights on the outside, and no lights illuminating the, the inside of the vehicle, the only thing he could see is possibly smoke coming from the uh, exhaust and a couple of headlights. So he lied right off the bat. Driving by that location takes less than three seconds to pass before you lose sight of it. So just to ask that officer a question, when did you see somebody slumped over? Okay, three o'clock in the morning when this call was taken. Uh, you know when you when you when you uh, arrested him or kidnapped him. <laughs> exactly. At three o'clock in the morning. You know the very next day with the with the video camera, you drive by doing the same. You know uh, speed at uh, the speed limit with a video camera with the lights on and doing you know with the the same situation. Just drive by and look at it, shoot a video. You can't see anything. You can't see anything. So first off, he turns around and says, well, this is your story. Are you sticking to that story? Yes. Okay. Video camera. Here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Now he's caught in a lie. He's, he can't back out of it. He's already told it. So it's, it's really getting them to make their statement, stand on their statement, and then pull in your, you know, proof that shows that there's no way that that could be the truth. Which, in that case, 
you know, wouldn't have been more than a, a video at 3 o'clock in the morning and a few pictures. Because anybody from 50 yards away, I don't care unless you've got night vision goggles, couldn't have seen inside the vehicle, especially with the tinted windows. But you make them, you know, his story on paper, now he's, you know, he's claiming it in open court, and then the truth comes out. Now he's caught in perjuring himself. Because nobody else could see from that distance. <laughs> you know? It's an obvious lie. So doing, you know, it's just using logic, asking questions. Uh, again, every, every single situation is going to be different. There'll be, you know, uh, it, it could be, uh, you know, and it's always their story against yours, which is why you want to get them to, into into that witness stand and cross-examine the, the officer. Because most of the time, if I mean, if you know you didn't do anything wrong and there is no victim, it shouldn't be a problem to get those answers out of them. But then if it's you know, just your word against theirs, then the judge always seems to side with them. Well, the thing is, is that he who makes the claim, and that's the officer, has to prove the claim. They have to prove it. It's on them to prove it. All you have to do in a case, any case that goes in, into these statutory courts is the, the slightest bit of, of uh, um, sorry, <laughs> uh, having a... I'm a blank moment here. Uh, reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. You just create the slightest bit of reasonable doubt, and it's done. It's over. If there's any doubt that this could happen a different way, it's over. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, went to court for someone that uh, had a drug paraphernalia charge. Their window was open at their car. It was a carload of kids. They, cops walked, you know, they weren't in the car when, they, when they, uh, they were outside the car. So when the cops brought them over to the car, they looked inside, and there was a marijuana pipe on the, on the seat. So they arrested them for, for possession of uh, drug paraphernalia. Go to court, and uh, they're telling the story, well, you know, we did this, did that, and you know, we looked inside of their vehicle, and there it was sitting on the seat in plain view. And uh, I told them to tell the, you know, uh, to ask the question, is it possible that when the kids that were parked next to the, my car saw you walking their way, is it possible that one of them could have thrown it into my open window and it landed on the seat? Of course, that's a possibility. There's probably a hundred other possibilities too that could be thought about, and uh, you know, just that little bit of reasonable doubt, the judge dismissed the charges because there's no way to prove that it was there, you know, by their own doing and not by somebody else. Right. You know. Do you so, have an online blog? Um. I don't. I'm on Facebook, and I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of posting. I do a lot of things for uh, 
against corrupt police officers and corrupt uh, officials. I do share a lot of stuff uh, concerning the law, common law, trust law, um, statutes and codes. What is, and what is, you know, what, is your Facebook, what is your Facebook name or group? David Horowitz. David Horowitz. If you go to the post that you saw my, you know, the, uh, the, um, just, just under your show. name. Yeah, just under my name. I do have a couple of groups that I do, um, you know, that I've set up. And uh, if you go to my page, you, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to see some of those groups as well. And I'm Very going good. to be well, setting well, up. Yeah, I'm going to be setting up a uh, Facebook page for this as well as most likely I will be setting up a uh, a um, YouTube page as well, and I'm going to try to branch it out. Right now, this is only the second day that I've been doing this, and uh, I'm just trying to get myself used to it, uh, the hours and, the, you know, uh, the planning. Where are you? For the last, I'm, in, I'm in Montana. Oh, really? I'm in Montana. I'm in I've been Iowa. Off the You're in Iowa. Okay. Yes, sir. Been through times. <laughs> Lots of corn. <laughs> A lot of corn. Especially corn. right now. Yeah. We've got... Uh, okay. And it's been green, and everything's just growing like crazy. It's never been like that since I've been here. It's almost like spring hasn't ended, and uh, summer hasn't started, and we'll be into winter in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. We'll, we'll be up in Montana. Oh, yeah. Well, we already, we had, I think, two weeks to go up in Glacier, which is only a few hours in front of me. Uh, I'm in a valley, and the valley here is just about 5,000 feet above sea level. And I got the Rockies, because of the Rockies on both one on each side of me. And uh, a couple of those peaks reach out up over 9,000 feet. Wow. So, oh, yeah. We had snow up there until August 1st. I'm <laughs> <No> kidding. <laughs> well, beautiful, though. Last year we had almost, you know, uh, uh, not last year, the year before we had almost no snow. Last year we had like four feet of snow half the winter. <laughs> so we get we get a big, big range of weather, especially, uh, like I said, this year we had no fires, which is great, but uh, they're calling for a very, uh, very hardy winter. <laughs> they said it's going to be like a storm after storm, so we'll see. I don't mind the weather, though. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful state. The one thing I like about it is, unlike most of the states, there's no state sales tax. There's no state income tax. So, uh, and property taxes are very low, consider, you know, for the rest of the country, as opposed to the rest of the country. Uh, but you do pay for it in corruption. Even oh, yeah. Very, you said you work with trusts. I've set up many trusts. 
I'm sure these are statutory trusts. I have a I have a charitable religious trust that is. Yeah, I don't set up statutory trusts. <laughs> I don't set up any yeah. statutory trusts. Say it again. I said I do not set up any statutory trusts. I so used to years, years ago when I was a fin- financial planner. I used to use statutory trusts as a, you know, as a, as a instrument for protecting assets, but there's no protection when the third party in your trust is the government. And a statutory oh, yeah, trust right. is chartered, it's chartered by the government. So I do uh, unincorporated business trusts. I do, um, which is basic common law trusts. Uh, you said you did a religious trust. and I have a, my I personal, have a charitable religious trust, and it's associated with a corporation soul. A corporate soul, okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, the Bible itself is a trust. We don't even need to stand up. We just have to trust. And it is literally a trust. It has all the elements of trust. That's, that, is, that is what I named as the basis of the charitable religious trust that I have. What's that? The Bible. The Bible. The Bible. There you go. That's the ultimate trust right there. Uh, the government cannot uh, pierce that, that trust. And it's private. And the great thing is, is you decide, the contract decides the jurisdiction. And yours is right there in the name. All questions right. or any claims arising against this trust must be uh, dealt with straight out of the Bible. That's right. And that's the jurisdiction. God's got jurisdiction. That's the best trust you can have. Yeah, I trust him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and he's the executor of the right? Uh, oh, actually, I'm the executor of the trust. Oh, you're a trustee. trustee. I'm the trustee, yes. Uh, he's the executor. You're, you're right. Yeah means that you have administrative, you know, and share responsibility to the trust. Yes. But, uh, I'm sorry, he's the, he was the guarantor. He was the grantor of the trust. There you go. He was the grantor. the son as a sacrifice, which was the, the uh, inspiration for the trust. That's right. And the trust is... What covenant? For all relationships, every relationship the trust People don't understand. You get caught up in this public trust, which you know, where your where your trustees, which are supposed to be your public servants, are talking it out the back door instead of having a shared responsibility. And that is the that's the epitome of the fraud that wastes the entire time. You know, so if you have a trust relationship, any relationship that you have, I use trust contracts all the time, private trust agreements. You know, uh, I've been doing this for years. If I do work for somebody, I do a private trust agreement. You're trusting me to, you know, you know handle uh, your legal paperwork and, and do this, and, you know, you're giving me that responsibility. You're putting me in a position of trust. And, uh you know, I have a fiduciary responsibility to, you know, do the right thing by that trust. If sure. I, and, and 
plea bargain you down the river, you know, and take a payment, I'm doing what the prosecutors and, and, and these, you know, these uh, lawyers are doing. And that's exactly what they do. But everybody has the right to contract with who they want and not contract with who they want. Otherwise, well, that's, you, know, that's right. you know, otherwise everything is, co- you know, it would be coerced. If they can come in and say, nope, you have to have a lawyer. Well, no, I don't. I can talk to whoever I want as counselor. You know? That's I can have anybody represent that I want. Yeah. Attorney, an attorney in fact, absolutely. You know? So there's, there's a lot of different benefits from having that trust. And, and, again, I go into court with my Bible every time I have to go. Every time I have to go there, if it's, I'm working for somebody else or if it's, you know, for I'm always bringing my Bible there because that's where my law exists. I don't, my law doesn't exist in their books. And that's the nice right. thing about mine, the nice thing about this law is, is that I can fulfill the entire, the entire law just by loving my neighbor, doing no harm. And, and now you've got to prove, you know, any claims that I've hurt my neighbor, you know, intentionally to say that I've committed Right, you violated the trust. What's that? In order to have violated the trust, you have to have hurt your neighbor. Absolutely, absolutely. And and if I did hurt my neighbor, it wasn't intentional. It was by accident. If I hurt somebody by accident, then the only loving thing I can do is take responsibility for what I did. Exactly. Which also takes you out of the court. That takes Very it out good. of the court because, when, you know, when you turn around and you, you know, make remedy with your, with, with, you know, with the person that you've harmed, there's a question before the court to be decided one way or the other. There's no argument. So there's a lot you of ways, the, you know. Go ahead. Well, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was going to change the subject. You said you're in your 50th year. I'm in my 75th year. And, oh, wow, uh, fantastic. Still, 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 still learning a whole lot. I'm sure you've seen a lot. Of, you, you, you were born in this country as well, and you've lived here your whole life? I was born right here in the state of Iowa. Wow. Were you uh, a soldier at all? No, I wasn't. I didn't have that honor. Okay. I was, wow. in, I was in the Christian ministry for many years. And I did a lot of other things. I was a political staff assistant for a while for a U.S. congressman and ran a college and graduate school for a few years, did all kinds of stuff, worked in corporate world and computer departments, training operations managers and all that kind of stuff. So I've been around the block. Sure. Well, 75 but years is a long time to be walking around the block. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm still learning a whole lot. Yeah, well, that's what keeps us going. I think you know, if you, if if I'm not well, learning, I'm going going. backwards. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, I sure, I sure like to be able to get in touch with you. Should I just message you on Facebook? Or do you have an email address that you? 
Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, you can private message me on Facebook. I'll send you my email address and cell number. And, uh, you know, if there's any, anything you want to talk about, feel free to give me a call. I appreciate yeah, you coming on the show. Hey, I really Thank appreciate you your time, my friend. God bless you. Thank I really you. appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and, and being a part of my show. You have a fantastic well, night. You. Thank you. All right, well, thank, you. Bye-bye. thank you. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye. Bye now. Do we have anybody else on the show? Well, this is Dave Horowitz, and I want to thank anybody and everybody for listening to How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I want to thank Michael for coming on and talking with me during the show. And, uh, if you like the show, please share it with your friends and family on Facebook and uh, other social media. Thanks, and have a great night. Thank you.